0: 32GI, leading sports nutrition provider, focused on health and performance. 32GI, trusted sports nutrition advisors. Welcome to this edition of 32GI Sports Nutrition. I'm David Katz, Mr. Active, joined by Mark Wolf. In a previous podcast, we talked about the energy system and how it functions. Today, we're looking at athletes in specific and how they utilize those stores from the energy system. Mark, looking at an elite or high-performance athlete in particular, they're going to uh, feel themselves differently from your average man on the street. Uh,
1: sometimes yes, and sometimes no, Dave. I think, first of all, if you're looking at elite or high-performance athletes, Generally, in our minds, we have uh, this image that they're going at a very, very high intensity. Um, however, there are some elite athletes that, um, because of the duration of an event, actually still go at a more controlled pace. And um, but if we have a but let's have a look at at the high intensity performing athletes. So somebody is doing a shorter distance event um, and going at a much higher intensity over that shorter distance. In other words, they're going probably above threshold and um, they got they're getting very little oxygen into their system so in the previous podcast we discussed uh, the different storage tanks with uh, well, the different fuel tanks and uh, that being glycogen and fat and uh, we mentioned that uh, glycogen is generally the main fuel tank when there's oxygen deprivation in the body in other words there's not enough there's not sufficient oxygen coming to the system glycogen is definitely going to be your your major fuel tank and uh, so what actually happens is if an athlete is performing at a very high-intensity and he's getting very little oxygen into the system, the only tank that's going to be fueling his body and uh, ultimately creating ATP to, to fire those muscles is the glycogen tank. And so what can he do? He needs to be able to transfer as much glycogen as possible. And so from a fueling perspective, that athlete will have to take in a quick-release in carbohydrate in order to be able to spare the glycogen. And uh, we can spare glycogen probably around 30%. Um, I, I'm using that as an average number. I mean, it could be less, it could be more. Um, there's a lot of varying factors, but, but that's generally the only way. So, you know, for athletes that are going in a much higher intensity um, and definitely predominantly utilizing their glycogen store, then we're looking at, uh, at, at a higher and quicker carbohydrate feed.
0: Mark, looking at something like oxygen deprivation, because when you're competing at that high speed, you're going above your threshold, you are starting to drop your oxygen reserves. Is there a way to replace that from a nutritional point of view? Um,
1: there's, there's nothing really we can do around oxygen. The only thing you can do is to, is to lower your pace, is to slow your pace down and to get those uh, airways open. And people sometimes say to me, how do I know if I'm burning fat or glycogen? I mean, in a simple rule of thumb is if you're puffing and panting and you can't get any air in, you're definitely chewing up your glycogen stores. So there's no doubt, so you need to feed that appropriately. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know when your glycogen stores are depleted, your brain will naturally slow your body down. We call that bonking. Uh, that's the feeling of glycogen stores completely emptied. The body is now going to transition to a different fuel tank. That fuel tank is, is uh, even though it's, a, it's not a small tank compared to your glycogen tank, it's a much larger tank, but it is, uh, in a way, a reserve tank. Um, it's going to slow the body down, it's going to uh, allow a, a process of oxygen coming into the body and getting that fat broken down and then getting it uh, converted into glucose and as it fuel. It's a very, very painful process. Um, athletes go through emotional turmoil when they do hit the wall and uh, the, the only way to really get better and better at this is to become probably more of a fat efficient athlete. That, that transition between glycogen and fat is probably um it's it's probably let's say the transition is more transparent than uh than 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 severely impactful
0: now mark a little bit earlier on you mentioned something about the controlled paced athlete as opposed to your high performance athlete here we're looking at what probably anything over a marathon or comrades ironman athletes these are those kind of athletes
1: well i think it's it's quite interesting i mean i think first of all pace is also about perception and intensity is about perception um if we have a look at a Kenyan marathon runner, you, you'll never see these guys taking gels en route. I mean, these guys—yes, they hydrate themselves and that—but they're not getting really anything into the system. They—they're um, running at a, at a pace which, I mean, even though it's around twenty kilometres an hour, uh, for some of these athletes, that pace can be sometimes controlled, sometimes not controlled, and they're basically just trying to rely on their glycogen stores to get to the finish line. And, um, and, and that's why after a two-hour marathon or two and a quarter hours, depending on the time, generally these guys are finished and they're not going to carry on for much longer. But now, let's say the distance of that event increases, okay? And these elite athletes now have to go and run an ultra, so 56, or even if you're looking at a Comrades marathon distance, which is a, an 89 kilometer run, suddenly now you realize that there is no choice but to run or to, to perform at a controlled pace. And some of the athletes that, that I've worked quite closely with, it's very, very interesting to see that at a controlled pace, they are primarily burning a larger amount of fat than they are glycogen. And we did some testing on, uh, on some elite athletes um, uh, in South Africa. And what we noticed was that, uh, well, these were elite athletes when they were running at about four minutes a K. Um, interesting enough, their, their fat oxidation rates were very, very high and they could go on water for about three to four hours quite easily um, but as their pace increased to around uh, the 340-330 mark there they required a, a much higher feat. so so controlled pace athletes um, you'll find them more over the distance events or also over this you'll look at social athletes social athletes i often say the difference between a social athlete and an elite athlete is is that um, is sort of that mental barrier to push yourself into what i call the dark zone or to that dark side where you really are putting yourself into a world of pain and you're holding it for a long period of time and, and and it's It's a very emotional place to be There's a lot of people that are very afraid of doing it, and they're controlling their pace consistently all the time, based on the kind of pace that you're performing at that will ultimately determine the type of nutrition you should be taking in. If you are going at a very controlled pace, there is absolutely no reason to spark your blood sugar significantly because that's going to lead to what I call the roller coaster ride up and down, feel good, feel bad and ultimately it can also lead to GI distress because there's a glucose overload in the system. So you really need to try and differentiate between these two major types of athletes, one performing at a very high intensity and then one performing at a more controlled pace. And then obviously you get what's what, what we call a combination athlete, somebody that's maybe starting a race out at a very controlled pace, but then they're going to use the other combination of upping the intensity towards the finish. In other words, them going and performing at a much higher intensity And maybe the feed will vary to support those two different efforts. Um, But it really, really depends on on the type of athlete you are and that will ultimately determine, pace will determine feed.
0: Mark, just going back to something you said also a little bit earlier on, looking at glycogen depletion. If you're a Kenyan and you're running at around three minutes a K and finishing a marathon just over two hours, or if you're running at six minutes a K and finishing it over four hours, who is gonna deplete their glycogen sources first?
1: I think again, it depends on what that particular athlete is going through from a pace point of view and what's happening to his body at that period in time. So, if a Kenyan runner is running at three minutes a kilometer, he, he, he might be oxidizing quite a large amount of fat, okay, along with the glycogen of course, at that particular intensity. When he ups his speed even more, and these guys sometimes do go under three minutes a K in the, in the last couple of kilometers of that event, then predominantly he might be tapping into his glycogen stools fully and fat just doesn't become available at all. But depending on the percentage of the fat used, utilized, um, he, he will be sparing obviously a certain amount of glycogen. And that's why, so a Kenyan runner might not just fall flat at uh, two hours. He might fall flat at two hours and 15 minutes. It all depends on how controlled that pace is. And it's, if you think about American, it's really a war of attrition. Um, these guys are all running at a fast pace but nutrition plays a very critical role or actually pacing yourself plays a very critical role if I look at a, at, at, um, at let's say more of a social athlete or somebody that's running the same distance as a Kenyan athlete but they're running it in four hours as you mentioned it's very possible that that four hours for them could also be a high intensity or it might be a very controlled pace in other words they just want to get to the finish line and those are the two types of athletes uh, or there could be a combination athlete in there but then Ultimately, have to, they would have to feed because running, on four, running for four hours over a longer period of time, you will need to focus more on the nutrition because as the distance grows, and I'm not talking about distance as in distance of, of course, but as the, as the time on the legs grow and the, the amount of time that the body is working for uh, grows and extends, nutrition becomes more and more critical over that period of time because those fuel tanks need to be catered for, and those fuel tanks will be catered for depending on the kind of pace that you're performing
0: at. Well, Mark, another fascinating podcast. And if you want to hear some of our previous podcasts or to find out more about the products, go to 32gi.com. Also, if you want to get questions into Mark about nutrition, go look at uh, Coach. There is, you can ask the coach on the website. So, plenty to do there. But thanks for joining us on this episode of uh, 32GI Sports Nutrition from myself, David Katzmist Active, and Mark Wolf. We'll catch up with you next time. 32GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors.